Good morning. morning. Praise the Lord. God is amazing, isn't he? And uh, it's a huge privilege to to come and uh, share God's word. I used to sing a song, have a message from the Lord, hallelujah. A message that you look and live. And that's what the Word of God is about, isn't it? It's about bringing life. It's not about bringing knowledge, though it does that. It's not about just uh, a sense of knowing God, and it is that. It's about bringing life. His life. And I don't know where you are in your life, but... I need his life. I need his life within me. I need uh, for it to be working through me. So that's my prayer as we open the word of God, that it brings life. Amen? Amen. And where life comes, then death goes. And deadness goes. And uh, that we are meant to be these great vessels I love it when Paul writes in 1 Corinthians, don't you know all the trash that was going on in the Corinthian church? Don't you know that you're the temple of the Holy Spirit? You get that into your little minds, that that's what you're called to be. Temples of the Holy Spirit. Isn't that just something? That you are a temple? We together, it was, a, it was a, a corporate thing. He was talking to the church there. The temple is the, the church is the temple of the Holy Spirit. It's the place where he would come and be made known, manifest. Hallelujah. That is so, so wonderful. This is the, I, I do thank the elders for the opportunity of coming and sharing the word of God last week and this week. It's a a couplet of messages about knowing the mind of Christ. In uh, 1 Corinthians 2, verse 16, it says, We have the mind of Christ. That's something, isn't it? We have it. And uh, how? How do we have it? We have the mind of Christ by his teaching. Because he taught according to his mind. And so everything he taught was his mind. But we also have the mind of Christ by listening to his prayer. And uh, that's what we've been doing. We're looking at John 17. If you have a Bible, you could turn to John 17 is a prayer that he prayed on the eve of his crucifixion his mind was clear he was fully focused and his mind was being fully revealed and there were two things that we spoke about last week that the two things that he was that was on his mind He wasn't on his mind, you were on his mind. And that he would bring his father glory 
That was what was on his mind. And that we would be sanctified, that we might be partakers of the divine nature of God. Colossians 1.27 says, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Not Christ in the Bible, though that's true. But Christ in you, the hope of glory. And if in some way this morning we can just understand what that means... Not the Christ preached, but the Christ in you. How wonderful is that? How amazing is this? That God sanctified you, that Christ said that I am sanctifying myself, that you will be truly sanctified, that you are made clean and prepared that you might have the glory of God within you. And actually perceive the glory of God here, amongst us, in us. The world needs that more than anything else. It doesn't need the condemnation of the church or judgment. It needs God's love made manifest. Hallelujah. John 17, after Jesus said this, he looked towards heaven and prayed. Very, just hours before his arrest, just moments before he went to the Garden of Gethsemane and prayed another prayer. He said, Father, the hour has come, glorify your Son, that your Son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. Hallelujah. Now this, the hallelujahs are mine, they're not in the Bible. Now this is eternal life that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. And now glorify me in your presence with the glory I had before the world began. Moving on to verse 16, because this is what we spoke about last week. They, talking about his disciples, are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. How were they to be sanctified? By the truth. Your word is truth. So as we, as we listen to the word of God, as we begin to believe it and take it into our heart, we are being sanctified by the truth. The light, the word of God is dispelling darkness and bringing his life to us. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them I sanctify themselves, that they may too may be truly sanctified. Glorify Jesus, so that the, he will glorify the Father. That's what he's praying. 
May I be glorified that I will bring glory to you. On the cross, the full extent. I said, by the cost, the, the cross is, is, is a glorious place. Because it is at the cross, the ultimate, the ultimate love of God is made known. The full extent of his love and grace and mercy were made known to mankind on a cruel cross. And on that cross, it would bring glory. He would bring glory to the Father. Because the full extent of his love was made known. And so, he says, sanctify, I sanctify myself that they may be sanctified. He laid himself on the altar for God that we may be sanctified by his precious blood. So Jesus is a sense the mediator. He's, he's here, he's bringing glory to the Father and sanctification to the saints all at the same time. For this purpose he came. It does not end with sanctification though, and that's where we pick it up today. There was something greater than sanctification. Would you believe that? You were sanctified for a reason, and the reason wasn't to be sanctified. There was something greater. We are sanctified for a purpose. Not that our sins would just be forgiven. If, if we're at, at that point, then we're, we're, we're not where God wants us to be. We're not sanctified just to get a ticket for heaven and eternal life, as wonderful as that is. We're sanctified that we would be filled with a love for God and from God. That's why you've been made holy. That you would become a vessel of the love of God to this world. Amen? Amen. And I, I know it's what you need and what I need. I need a baptism in the love of God. And I need to be sanctified to do that. I said at the cross, the full extent of God's love would be revealed. At the tomb, the full extent of God's power was revealed. And the Holy Spirit would come. And ordinary disciples like me and you would be baptized. Not just by the Spirit. God is love. We'd be baptized with a supernatural love. A love for God and a love for one another. Now, listen to this. Jesus prays for all believers. He prays for you and me. Hi, you get a personal welcome. <laughs> My prayer is not for them alone, talking about his disciples. I pray for all those who will believe in me through their message that 
all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, these are amazing things, and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. You're getting the message here? I in them and you in me. So they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world would know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you, and they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known to them. In order, hold these words, in order that the love you have for me may be in them. That the love of the Father for the Son may be in you. That was what was on Jesus' mind before he was crucified. He knew everything that was going to happen on the cross. He knew that moment of separation from the Father. He knew the, 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 the sense of what it would be to have the sins of the world placed on his shoulders. He knew what it was going to be for his life's blood to be shed drop by drop for you and me. That the love of the Father, as for the Son, would be in you. And in order for that to happen, you had to be sanctified by the blood of Jesus. And that you would be brought into an amazing, amazing renewed relationship with God the Father, that you would become his child, born of the love of God, out of the love of God, that the love of God would just be overflowing within you, so that the love you have for me may be in them, and I myself might be in them. His glory in us revealed to the world. God's been very good to me and to Carol. It was ten years ago, almost to the day, that I retired from pastoral ministry. And God has shown huge grace to me. During that time in pastoral ministry, over 30 years ago, I had a vision and uh, in, in this vision, I, I saw um, Gallywood Common. Do you know Gallywood Common? Yeah? It's not the sort of thing I have visions about, but I had a vision of Gallywood Common. And there were thousands of people all over Gallywood Common, all meandering around, doing their own things, and uh, they were all individuals dotted about. And this is a... Uh, and all of a sudden, an ice cream van turns up. 
really spiritual this is, isn't it? <laughs> and obviously it was a hot summer's day, and all of a sudden, from being spread out all over the uh, uh, Gallywood Common, they all gathered, they all left the common, and they gathered around the ice cream van. Until they were a group. They were no longer individuals, but they were one. But it was not the van that had drawn them together. But it was the love of ice cream that brought them together. Our unity, this is what it was about for me. This made such a huge impact on me. The unity was in the love of the Father that would bring us together. The love of God, the love of Jesus. There can be no other unity. There could be unity in our, in, in our likes. There could be unity in, in our ages. There could be unity in, our, in the way we, 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 we think or whatever allegiance, uh, our football clubs that we support. But our true unity is in our love for God. And when that love... And you see, in this prayer, Jesus was praying for unity. He was praying that they would be one. He prayed for the church before his death, that the church would be one. Look at the church in the world. Is it one? Look at individual churches. That have got schisms in them, cliques, groups, people that aren't talking to one another, people who don't like one another. It's an anathema to the cross of Jesus Christ. Jesus died that we would fall in love with one another because of Christ. That we would love each other deeply, sacrificially that we daren't talk badly about one another to another person. That we encourage one another, we build one another up. We put ourselves down as servants to, to edify others. It's not whether I want to come to church today, it's whether the church needs me. This is not my personal preference. I live for Christ. I'm a servant of his body. I humble myself. And we should come because of each other. We should come because we've got a gift to give one another. We should come because we belong together. Hallelujah. Jesus prays that all of them would be one. That's a huge prayer. Of all the stuff he could be praying about, he's praying for you with you on his mind that you would be one with one another. Hallelujah. That's what he desires. That's what he longs for. That's what he died for that you would be one. When we break bread in a, in a little while, 
We need to be repenting of the things that, that have stopped us being one. It's even greater. He says, just as you know, I and the Father, absolute unity is the message of the cross. It's about restoring brokenness, disunity. It's like Ezekiel 37, the valley of the dry bones. They're all disparate, they're all separated, they're dead. And yet they're brought together to be one body, one army for God. Raised up by the Spirit of God. Hallelujah. I tell you, you are so special to God, you don't even begin to understand it. But what he wants for you. I've given them the glory you gave me that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me, may they be brought to complete unity so the world would know that you have sent me. The world looks on at a church and it needs to see the glory of the oneness of God in it with supernatural love that, that the world looks on and says, this is not, the, this is not a, a love I understand. This is not of organisation, this is not of dogma, doctrine, or anything else. This is born of God. Supernatural unity that the world would know. That you and I would love the world with God's love. Without that I'm better than them attitude. Pumping my chest saying I thank God that I'm not like that one. God's desire, Jesus' prayer. If you ever think that you do not know God's will for your life, I'm telling you what God's will for your life is right now. to be loved broken people this is beyond us that's why Jesus prayed it's not natural it's why we should pray with Jesus for this to happen in our lives we used to sing a, a song let there be it was a, a song by Dave Bilborough let there be love shared among us let there be love in our eyes May now your love sweep this nation, Lord. Cause us, O Lord, to arise. Give us a fresh understanding of brotherly love that is real. Let there be love shared among us. Let there be love. When we sang that, the Holy Spirit would, just like the one I spoke about last week, the Holy Spirit would come down because we were touching the very heart of God when we said, let there be love shared among us. May now your love sweep this nation. O Lord, arise. O Lord, arises when his church arises. Jesus' cry was, I want my people to be one as we are one. Father, I have given them my glory, the glory you gave me, 
They are partakers in the divine glory, in the divine nature of God. Because of this I pray. Our oneness is a reflection of the divine nature of God. True holiness and oneness is found in God's love. What is the love the Son had for the Father? He gave his life. He lived in obedience. He sought nothing for himself. He lived to love. Nothing was too much. It was not about being inconvenienced. It was a joyful love. A sort of David's request to his servant. Is there anyone in the household of Saul that I can show kindness to today? That sort of attitude, is there anyone I can love today? Is there anyone I can love before I leave this building? Is there anyone I need to go and make reparation for the stuff that I've been thinking about or doing? Is there anyone I need to give something to? Is there anyone I need to be alongside? John thirteen thirty four. A new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another as I have loved you. Didn't end there, did it? So you must love one another, Jesus said. Such love is the manifestation of the power of God. God must do it. I can't. You can't. That's why we throw ourselves upon him and say, in order to do this, I need you like I've never needed you before. Why doesn't it happen? Perhaps it's because we don't ask for God to do it in us. We give up. We just say it's too much. It's beyond me. I can't. But the divine love set free in a sanctified heart, that's revival. They revive this land, revive me. Fill me with this divine love. Why do we try to love in our own strength? Philippians 2.13 says, For it is God who works in you to will and act according to his good purpose. He works in you. This is a matter of yielding. Not my will, but your will be done. I give my life. I lay it down. That you might come and live in me. Hallelujah. It's all he wants. He's not asking you to do what you can't do. He's asking you to allow him to do what he can do. Through you. That's the glory of grace, isn't it? It's the work of the Holy Spirit. 
Romans 5, 5, God has poured his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. God has poured his love into our hearts. Not drip fed it, poured it. Until it comes running over. 2 Corinthians 5.14 For God's, for Christ's love compels us. In Jesus' prayer, it's on his mind. The reality of such love on earth is a proof to the world that God sent his son. John thirteen thirty five. By this, love one for another. All men will know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. I believe it's not preaching that is the most evangelistic tool we have. Of course, it, the word needs to be preached. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word. But it's really, the world would see that you and I have got something from heaven. Supernatural love. There's something in you that people cannot find on earth. Because it doesn't exist. But it exists in the regenerated heart of a sanctified saint. The divine love of God. Glory. 1 Thessalonians 3, 12 and 13. May the Lord make your love increase and overflow. Hallelujah. That's his message to you. May the love you have increase and overflow. What's overflowing? It's going on someone else. Is, this is the amazing grace of God. He has given you his love to give away to someone else. How beautiful is that? I can't give it because I don't receive it. When I receive it and it's filled my heart, it's overflowing, it's splashing out on everyone. It doesn't need a pulpit. It needs a basin and towel. You've got your own basin. You've got your own towel. And there's someone that needs you. May the, the Lord make his love increase and overflow to each one of you and everyone else, just as ours does for you. May he strengthen your hearts so that you will be blameless and holy in the presence of God our Father. We remain holy by yielding to the Holy Spirit, filled with God's love. This morning, and I close with this, and I apologize that I've overrun. God wants to baptize you in his love. Not in some nebulous spiritual thing, but with the love of God. He wants to fill and overflow in your heart. 
That's what's on Jesus' mind. That's what he's praying. That's why he lives to intercede for you. He's praying now that my child would sanctify their hearts and receive my love and go into a hurting world and make the difference that in this wonderful way that as Jesus was incarnate he may be reincarnated don't get me wrong when I say this in you and me Because you are the body of Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm looking at his body now. His wonderful body. And a body needs a heart and a body needs life. And that life is his spirit. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down his life for his friends. Jesus did more than that. He laid down his life for his enemies. Because before you knew him, you were at enmity with God. You were not neutral. You were not for him. And he laid down his life for you that your heart would be cleansed. And as we break bread now, I want to, that as we, we partake, this is the, the lovely thing, that, that you, as, as you take of the, the body, this is my body, this is my blood, that you are taking the love, the life rather, and the love. The life of Christ within you. Symbolically you're doing it. But in reality you're going to do it. That you become filled with him. That we might be one. As he is one. And when that happens. All heaven rejoices. So shall we pray? And if you've got your little container, perhaps before we, if you haven't, has, it, has anyone not got one? We can make sure you, you have. Um, if you could peel the, before we, we pray, peel the, the top part off so you can get the little, little wafer. You could hold that in one hand and you could peel the bottom part off as well. <coughs> How are we doing? Because I've got to be honest with you. And this is rather embarrassing because uh, 
praise the Lord. Can I just say this is a this is real? It says if we don't discern the body of Christ, we bring judgment upon ourselves. If we're doing this as some ritualistic thing, rather than what it really is, as the body of Christ coming together, laying down our lives, asking to be forgiven and cleansed and sanctified, and asking to be partakers of the divine glory, then we're not discerning the cross. We're not understanding it. We're not understanding. If we're going to go away here and we're going to foul mouth someone, if we're here and we're refusing to forgive someone, yet Christ forgave us, then we're not discerning the body of Christ and the blood of Christ. If we're not willing to change as a consequence of this, then it's better that we didn't take it and bring judgment upon ourselves. But if we're willing to humble ourselves and be filled with the love of God this morning and to go out and live for him in the power of his love, then you share this and be one. And heaven rejoices and heaven opens a window above you and will pour such a blessing in your life that you won't know how to contain it. He'll fill you with his love. So on the very night that he was betrayed, he took bread and after he gave thanks, he broke it and said, take it, this is my body, given for you. Let's take. In like manner, likewise, he, after giving thanks, he took the cup. And said, this is the new covenant in my blood. This wonderful covenant of loving God and loving one another. A covenant of being forgiveness through the blood of Jesus. Restoration. That we might be one. And so Father, as one, we take this cup and we drink it. And we yield our lives to you, Lord. And say, Father, without your Holy Spirit poured in our love, we can do nothing. Without me, you can do no good thing. But with me, Christ said, you can do all things, that nothing is too difficult. Father, please forgive us where we've failed you, where we've not been one. And Father, may we in this church together, may we live, move and think as one, that we might have the mind of Christ. 
because the love of Christ is in our hearts. Shall we drink? May God bless you all.